Vine Pairs New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Peter. And I'm Joanna Sharina. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Friday Vine Pair Podcast. Just kind of like that I throw in that it's the Friday Vine Pair Podcast. Like, I like remind people. I think people, you're reminding yourself. I'm reminding everybody because <laughs> I just don't want everyone to think like, oh, is this actually Monday? You know what I mean? <laughs> what day <laughs> is it? It's like when you listen to the podcast. It's going to be extra fun when it's Friday. I mean, I'm going to be extra, extra. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> extra, extra, extra. We all know that old show. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, so on this Friday's episode, we're talking about uh, bubbles. Mm-hmm. And one bubble specifically. Not like there's only one bubble. One model, bubble. But, oh, how do the bubbles get made? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, she'll listen to Wine 101 if you need to learn mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Hosted by Five Pair Station Director Keith Beavers. You know, he's a great episode on Prosecco, really great episode on Prosecco. But we're going to talk instead about more of the the just rapid and dominant rise of this wine. Um, I feel like Prosecco is just fucking everywhere. When did it first become very popular? Oh, God, at least 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. at least at least 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And And but it's really interesting because I definitely remember very clearly the shift post 2010 mm-hmm. when people went from calling it champagne mm. to actually knowing it was prosecco mm-hmm. there's like a very clear like oh no fucking prosecco mm-hmm. well, and- i think even even starker for me was people started stopped calling every sparkling wine champagne and would call things that were not prosecco prosecco which was like a yeah. <laughs> i mean so it, what do you think zach as someone who's Who's worked the floor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think is the appeal? What what has caused it such a massive appeal of prosecco specifically? Because there's lots of sparkling wines. Almost every wine region in the world makes a sparkling wine, mm-hmm. but prosecco mm-hmm. has really just taken off in a way that no other sparkling wine really has, besides champagne. And champagne is at such a different price point and is viewed so differently by wine connoisseurs you know it's, it's more nuanced it's more intense it you know it, there's it's more there's more labor that goes into it like so yes they're both bubbly but that's basically where they end overlap yeah uh so i'm curious like what you think is like what's caused prosecco to be just so so dominant okay so i think this is actually a a, a, cu- a couple of answers but they're all in one way or another tied to availability and price so mm-hmm. The first of them is that Prosecco across the board, whether you're looking at your absolute least expensive Prosecco up to your, you know, kind of premium Proseccos is just so much less expensive than Champagne. And again, we we, we track the rise of this. And it's not a surprise that like Prosecco's big boom starts in a period of like economic turmoil, right? The Great Recession Mm -hmm. is when it first starts really picking up. People are like... I want to drink bubbles, but I'm not drinking champagne when the stock market's in the shitter. Like, I don't, I can't do that, right? I mean, some people could and did still, but a lot of people either had to shift their purchasing habits or felt compelled to. And that goes for individuals, and it certainly goes for restaurants and stuff like that. And so Mm -hmm. you started to see the glass pour list, to kind of harken back to Monday's episode, shift from the glass pour sparkling wine default for restaurants being champagne to being mm-hmm. Prosecco. Like mm-hmm. it was a very different uh, landscape in that period of time, right? Prosecco was cheaper. You could offer a glass pour of sparkling wine for 10 bucks. You didn't have to charge $16, $17. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have, you didn't think you had clientele willing to do it. Right. So that's one piece. The second piece is that Prosecco, especially the big brands are ubiquitous wines in the U S these days. They're widely available. Mm-hmm. They're very consistent. People know exactly yeah, what they're getting. And, and that really appealed to people in a way that, even the big champagne houses, there is no one 
I don't think, Adam, you or Joanna, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's anyone who could match in terms of scale the biggest uh, Prosecco producers just in terms of volume available. I mean, the only ones that are like, no. you know, a, a couple of Cava producers or others who produce a similar amount of liquid. And that allows for that ubiquity means you can find these Proseccos that you might like in every grocery store in the country, right? If you if you want. And that's a big thing for people too, right? They see a label they recognize. They see a wine they recognize. They go, I like this. It's $11. It's $13. It's, you know, $9. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to be happy with it. And the, mm-hmm. the last piece of this, and I think this is really important too, and it's something that I think I want to come back to later in this conversation is Prosecco didn't carry the champagne baggage, right? It didn't feel stuffy. It didn't feel only for celebratory occasions. It was right. a, it's mm-hmm. a brunch wine, right? It's, it's a, a brunch you wine. You can yeah. pour orange juice in it and no one's going to be like, are you a fucking monster? What are you doing? <laughs> like, Who just, are you? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, however you want to drink it, you want to put ice cubes in it, you want to put yeah juice in it, you want to put a, you know, a liqueur yep. in it. Like, it does it all. It doesn't give a shit. No one's going to look at you askance for doing that. And like, that has allowed it to just capture this huge amount of market and mind share for people because Prosecco is fun in a way that champagne wishes it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. I think Prosecco, that's like, Prosecco is fun in the way that champagne wishes it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, champagne is, you know, if you if you get to a level of net worth, champagne's a lot of fun, right? Because right. you get <laughs> to have it all the time. But if you don't, champagne is still, even for the majority of Americans, just a special occasional wine, right? It's yep. either it's special because you're having friends over for dinner and that's there's there's one of those holiday. bottles you've been saving. It's a holiday, yep. it's a promotion, it's an engagement, it's mm-hmm. a anniversary, like it's not just fucking Friday. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would love to be in the uh, the level of my life where just fucking Friday meant fucking champagne, but uh, it doesn't. Sorry, that was a lot of f bombs there. <laughs> uh, I know some people get offended, but uh, I uh, I enjoy the that you can have that with prosecco. Mm-hmm. It's really what I think has, has caused explosive growth. And I will also say on the marketing side, mm-hmm. the, the the brands, especially the big brands that have really built the category, and we're going to try one of them. The other one that you can't uh, discount is La Marca, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've really built the Prosecco category, have done a really good job of, you know, subtly uh, teasing their colors towards other luxury brands, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you look at the La Marca bottle, for example, like what does that blue look like to you besides La Marca? Looks like Tiffany. Like oh, I was like another bottle. <laughs> it looks like Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not Tiffany blue because mm-hmm. it can't be because they would be sued. But it looks like that blue, like that point. light blue means luxury. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Mianetto bottle, mm-hmm. right? That looks a little bit like a very famous champagne brand, mm-hmm. right? But it also looks like a very well known luxury, luxury clothing brand. Mm-hmm. So like it, th- there's they they use those colors. Like if you look at some of the other brands out there, like Zonine is now bringing red in that looks a lot like. Uh, you know Ferrari and things like that. Like there's there's a there's a really ideal color scheme that people are using that signal luxury, mm-hmm. but then you still have the price point that's accessible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's very unique to Prosecco. Whereas a lot of champagne still has like the crests and the baggage, unless they're champagne that ever their brands everyone knows, right? Everyone knows what Vouve looks like because it's Vouve, or what Dom looks like or Krug. Mm-hmm. But that I think is really really interesting about. Prosecco and, and these brands have just done an amazing job with that. They've done an amazing job with the design of the bottles, the colors they're using, and the ways that then they're they're popping up in the displays mm-hmm. that just signal accessible luxury to people. Again, it's like what we've talked about, the millennial sort of uh, you know, high low, the, right. the accessible luxury yeah. of, of 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 modern 
life. And that's what Prosecco really is. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I think a factor that plays into this as well is that for a lot of people, Prosecco is like the first alcohol you're drinking, maybe. Like for young people who are going to brunch, they're ordering Prosecco. And so it's affordable celebration for them as well. And then that's something that they continue to carry with them for the rest of their lives. Like if they're going to go, and again, with the brand loyalty, like they know that that's amongst the sea of Proseccos, um, they know that bottle is a good one and they Mm -hmm. can get it and it's $13 or $15. And for the younger generation, you know, that's just like a very consistent thing that they can have. Yeah, 100%. I also think there's a there's a flavor component that's important to note here too. In addition to Prosecco being kind of, you know, fun and cheaper and so therefore you can kind of throw stuff at it and it's not going to you're not going to feel uh like a jerk for doing so. You know, Prosecco on on the whole is markedly sweeter than champagne is. It's it's more analogous to what champagne used to be to my understanding, which is, you know, champagne used to be a beverage with with detectable sweetness to it. And it was made that way in, in, in large part because that's what the consumer preference was. And that's what uh, balanced out the acidity. And Prosecco has, um, with some exceptions, you know, not really moved away from a slightly off dry style, which people really like. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. whether it's in that brunch setting, whether it's that, Mm -hmm. you know, happy hour setting, whatever it is, like a little bit of of sweetness is is still, you know, people may not be perceiving it super clearly. Again, you know, Prosecco, like all sparkling wine, has a high level of acidity and the carbonation adds to the acidity. So it's it, it doesn't come off as cloying at all. But there is sweetness in the sort of initial palate impression. And that makes a big difference to people. It makes mm. the beverage more accessible. It is, as Joanna said, for a lot of people, it's something they encounter when they're very young. You know, what's one of their first yeah. alcoholic beverages, maybe one of their first wines that they consume either illegally or legally. And, um, and that element of sweetness is is hugely important for getting people uh attached to it and i i think that that is something that maybe champagne in its sort of zeal for you know brut nature no dosage totally bone dry as the sort of mm-hmm. the benchmark for the category might be wise to think about just whether whether or not that is in fact uh, serving them in the long run hmm. that's interesting yeah Does champagne care though no uh, <laughs> no, I mean, especially with their numbers recently. I mean, champagne just, you know, just just outsold in the U.S., you know, Great Britain for the first time. So at least for right now, I think they're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, we, we had producers, as we as we discussed before, when we were producing our like champagne list for this last year who were like, we're really sorry. We can't submit samples. We literally don't have anything in stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so so they're, they're they're doing just fine recently. But I do I do, you know, agree with your point there, Zach, where I think that's what what has hooked. Prosecco into the hearts of so many people is that it's that accessibility when you first mm-hmm. have it, right? There's, and it's very versatile too. Right. Yeah, there's there's like a lot that you obviously get like the it's it's a lot of fresh fruit, yep. and and it's very refreshing. And so there's not like you're not trying to understand the brioche, right? Mm-hmm. You're not sitting here being like, oh, like do I understand this? Do I appreciate it? Like you know what is this? You know there's there's a lot of like you know secondary aromas and flavors mm-hmm. with with champagne that you just don't get with Prosecco. But the other thing that I'm interested about with Prosecco is that the other thing we've seen in the last few years, which I'm curious about is yes, Prosecco has been extremely dominant, but now you sort of see a lot of these brands branching out with higher premium cuvées, right? Mm -hmm. These DOCG cuvées and things like that. And I'm wondering if that will, if, if they are going to be able to get the consumer to trade up because what the consumer I think likes is this, the, you know, this very solid quality, normal i'm gonna say normal prosecco right they're not mm-hmm. and i think the consumer is not looking for the premium prosecco mm-hmm. right? i think the consumer is looking for 
the Prosecco that is accessible at the price point of, you know, under 20 bucks. They're not looking for a $30 Prosecco because once Prosecco starts playing in that price point, then it's competing against the lower level, the lower price champagnes and the lower price, high quality Cava's and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think Prosecco would do very well to stay in that under, you know, under 20, $20, $25 and less price Mm -hmm. point. The second it gets more, it really will lose the appeal that it has right now. That's what I personally believe, but Mm -hmm. I'm curious what, what both of you think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that makes sense to me because of that lower price point or yeah. the lower range for champagnes. But I also think that some people, you know, they don't want to, if they're going somewhere, they don't want to bring a bot- like a $15 bottle of right, Prosecco exactly. to a party, but they would bring a... A higher end Prosecco. That's exactly. true. I guess I could see that. Like in the gifting, okay, when we yeah. go back to like everyone uses Wine Searcher, people right. want to know what people pay. <laughs> exactly. We're like, oh, so you brought the, the premium cuvee. Thank yeah. <laughs> Thank you for spending on mm-hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> And I think true, that, true, true. that even as you move into those higher end bottlings, you know, whether they're the yeah, the DOCG bottlings or whatnot, you are you are seeing a marked difference. I mean, uh, Pr- Prosecco is not at its higher level trying to be just like champagne. There are other, right, you know, right. Franciacorta mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, Alta Longa in Italy, both are regions that are really intentionally kind of centered around this idea of like, we're going to try and make wine as a, as close to champagne as possible, but in Italy. And, and Prosecco, mm-hmm. and I think to its credit, has said, you know, we're sticking with Glera, which is the grape that goes into it, or, you know, now a little bit of Pinot Noir if you're making a Rosé Prosecco, which we haven't talked about, but probably should. And mm-hmm. um, similarly, you know, we're going to instead emphasize, you know, in a lot of these cases that we're, we're, we're pulling either from a specific hillside, a Rive, as they're called in the region, or um, from within the sort of classic Prosecco region uh, in Conoliano Valdebiadene. And like those are selling points to a subset of Prosecco consumers who might, yeah, whether it's for a special occasion, whether for a, a gift or whatever, are still brand loyal to Prosecco at large, but recognize, hey, maybe I don't want to give a bottle of Mianetto or Lamarca to, to someone or don't want to bring it to a dinner party, even if it's what mm-hmm. I might bring to a brunch or what I might drink on a regular basis. I want to find something a little bit more that feels a little bit more special, a little bit more premium. Um, and Prosecco, mm-hmm. I think actually, to, I, I disagree with you, Adam. I think it's good for Prosecco to have options for people in those categories because they exist for sure. Fair. I don't think it's mm-hmm. – I'm not saying that all these producers are going to say, uh, actually, you know, fuck our DOC Prosecco. We're just going to shift over to producing, you know, $35 bottles of uh, single Rive Prosecco DOCG. Like that's not happening and, and it won't happen and shouldn't happen. But but having a product um, that is recognizable to people, that, that carries still some of that element of fun and frivolity that Prosecco has so tapped into, but – Give someone what feels like more of an elevated experience from time to time is, I think, probably a, a, a wise strategic move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I stand corrected. <laughs> no, I think that's no. That this is very fair. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> and I would encourage people if you have not tried some of those premium uh, proseccos, you should. They're really good. No, they are good. They are really good. I mean, we have a nice list of them on the site. We do have a nice list of them on the site, and they are really good. And there's some really interesting ones. I just, you know. It's just such a phenomenon. You always wonder, like, when something like this is so explosive, how much of it is flavor profile, how much of it is price, how much of it is design. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it, it, maybe it's all of it, right? But I do agree. Like, it is, it is a nice thing. Like, look, and the, the brands that you've talked about, like me and Ed and Lamarca, they have been very smart. They have introduced premium offerings, which mm-hmm. I think people are, are now also gravitating towards, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to bring you Lamarca, I'm going to bring you Luminore. They're like high end mm-hmm. one or whatever. Yeah. And me and Ed has like an all organic green bottle, right? That's same kind of idea. So I think, yeah, the, and you, you have to think they've done market research to figure that out and understand that that's, that's the use cases for those. So mm-hmm. can um, I add one last question for you guys yes, before please. we taste? Do you th- how much of this is just because people like Italy better than France? I mean, I like Italy <laughs> better than France. <laughs> really? Oh, fuck yeah. Interesting. 
Just like their wines? Or? Everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Everything about it. As an Italian-American, I'll take Everything. it. The, the wines, the people, the culture, the food. The food. Hmm. They're just the, the best people. <laughs> they're like the warmest. There's like, when I, I mean, this is a total aside, but you've asked the question, so I will tell you. <laughs> so before having anything to do with Vine Pear, like when I was just in Italy, and you go taste with someone there, they treat you like you're the most important person, whether or not you're in wine. And when I've now been in Vine Pair, it's the same fucking treatment. And that is a compliment. Yeah. Right. It is. And I have not had the same treatment in other countries that maybe make Brie. It's just <laughs> not, it's not the same. France is a great country. Like love the cuisine, but like I'm the snobbery is just way too fucking much, man. <laughs> and the Italians are just an incredible, it's just an incredible country. Yeah. And I think that even for people who haven't traveled there, who haven't experienced that, like ambiently, culturally, French things have an air of, yeah, snobbery yeah. to them. And yeah. some people, and, and in some areas, and like I think that helps champagne in its own way, and I think there are right. ways in which like it it redounds to the benefit of, of producers in various places that like France has this air of sophistication and and the, the you know, ne plus autre, you know, that they talk about all the time, mm-hmm. that, that Italy, I mean... I think can match, but it just isn't as sort of, um, it, you know, integral to our American ideas of these countries. And Italy is mm-hmm. the fun place, right? It's the it's more it's, approachable. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no American equivalent or there's no French equivalent of a, in America of Olive Garden, right? No one would, no one would, uh, conceive of a, of a French themed restaurant where, you know, if you're here, your family and like that's shit resonates with people, I think. There's an honesty to it, like to the wines, to the people. There's an earnestness. Like, mm. and again, that's not to say that the French wines. I look, I love champagne. We all know that. I love Burgundies and Bordeaux. I love mm-hmm. these wines too. But like, there's just something about Italy that feels like a hug. <laughs> you know, that feels like a hug. Sometimes a hug that goes on too long, but definitely a hug. It's Friday, so yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a long hug. <laughs> it's is, it, is it too long? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's yeah. And I think that that's why, again, Prosecco Prosecco has done so well is it's just this approachability and Mm -hmm. that, you know, in our culture, there is something about La Dolce Vita Mm. that, you know, France has done, I think the reason that, that the Italian wines that do well, do well is the total difference in the cultures. If we're talking from a marketing perspective on what we believe, right? So in France, France is all about haute couture, like beauty, premium high end in Italy there is that but it's almost more of an effortless style it's obviously like you know great clothes come from Italy great cars come from Italy but then there's an approach there's an accessibility to mm-hmm. that that feels somewhat I think I think Americans have always struggled with the attainability of France like if you've mm-hmm. if you've read you know some of the fashion articles they talk about like what is it about French people that, that they look so high end and we can't match that whereas with the Italians like they look so high end but I could also do that like mm-hmm. they make it look easier it's just a white shirt and a nice pair of pants right and i think that that's a difference mm. that exists culturally and so then the wines i think cause people to become to, to feel like they can gravitate more to them especially with when it comes to prosecco now the thing that italy struggles with that france has on them is just like france has taught everyone about their grapes and how to pronounce them and italy hasn't and i think mm. that's then where italy is still going is always going to struggle they just have so many more native varietals you know, and then they have so many more, you know, wine regions to figure out and understand mm. and place names, all that shit. Whereas everyone's like, I know Bordeaux, I know Burgundy, I know Pinot Noir, I know Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Cool. But Prosecco is just like what Italy hopes would happen with every single one of its regions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just boom. 
And with that, let's try a Prosecco. Yeah. Prosecco. Uh, so this was one of the wines on our uh, top Proseccos of the year list. It's also the number two selling Prosecco in America. Um, After Lamarca. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's been a while since I've had this. It's Mianetto. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the orange, by the way, that I was, uh, I was obviously thinking of is, is the, uh, it's the company that makes the Birkin bag. <laughs> If we all, if we Speaking all know Hermes, French, yeah. French, uh, but, but it really is that Hermes orange. Mm-hmm. I don't own any Hermes, so you know this is my closest. I have a scarf. Well, you have an Hermes scarf. Mm-hmm. Nice, uh, <laughs> but you know, I think again, this is what we're talking about. It, it's this connection to another, a different luxury product. It's it's giving that signal. That this orange looks very regal. Mm. Um, but yeah, when's the last time that either of you had Mianetto? I don't think I've ever. Uh, no, I have had it before, but it's been a while. You can't not have ever had it. Have you ever had a fucking no, Aperol had. Spritz? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've had it for sure. Yeah, no, actually, um, kind of recently, um, my sister and uh, uh, sister-in-law and I like to drink Prosecco sometimes just, you know, on the weekend. And this is a bottle we always get. So because we know it. I mean, I think, too, like me and Edda for a while, I don't know if they still do because Campari now has their own Prosecco, but I think for a while they had like a strategic partnership mm-hmm. with Aperol. Yep. And th- so you would see them in mm-hmm. marketing campaigns together and stuff. But I think that also helped the brand a lot. Smart. Um, yeah. Well, the, the label is kind of also that Aperol spritz, spritz color. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, it is. MS color, is. but I think that the spritz color helps too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It's like totally exactly what oh, we want. Ours isn't even in our glass. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I got <laughs> started so early. It's Friday, man. What do you want? <laughs> hey. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a really long time since I've had Mianetto. Mm. Let's try this. <laughs> the, the suspense is killing me, Adam. <laughs> this is very easy drinking. It's very easy drinking. It's a solid <laughs> Prosecco. Mm-hmm. It's like, you could, I mean, again, it's ev- everything about this is why people like Prosecco. Mm. Yeah. It's light, it's crisp, a little it fruity, has, you know. Fruity. Mm-hmm. It's fruity. It is. It has that little, little bit of sweetness, like you talked about. Mm-hmm. Except it's not like cloyingly sweet. It's not like we're drinking like a demi sec, right? Um, but it, yeah, I can just see why people love this these wines. Mm-hmm. But you like, know? if it came to your table at a restaurant with a carafe of orange juice, you would not have one moment's hesitation to dump orange no, juice. No, in there. No. Like you don't feel again. I think that's such a huge thing for this, right? People feel permissed to drink it however the fuck they want, and and mm-hmm. they're not worried that someone's going to be like, oh my god. And that I think right. is is a big deal for people. Like, yeah, wine yeah. wine has so much, uh, so many wines come with so many expectations and like people's fears that they're doing it wrong. And prosecco is a wine where like you almost can't do it wrong. Like, there's just mm-hmm. no, there's just nothing, no, no context in which people are going to feel feel shamed for how they drink it. And I think that has really helped it be become such a behemoth. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you know to sort of to close this out, but thinking about this when when we there's there's definitely been other wines and wine regions that we've worked with in the past on the marketing side at Vine Pair that have gotten very angry whenever someone on our integrated marketing team, it's like, you know, the ad sales mm-hmm. marketing side has suggested like a campaign that involves using their wine in any kind of cocktail or anything that would be not just their wine as their wine. Mm-hmm. I think brands like Mianetto and others uh, most Proseccos have been really smart to say, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Like, we're fine with you doing it that way, as you're saying. Like, th- this align, you know, alliance with Aperol and the Aperol Spritz and, like, just shows that, yeah, we're we're fine with that. Mm-hmm. We celebrate that. And 
then you're right, Zach. It just then makes people feel way more comfortable with the wine to say, cool, if I want to take this and like mix it with orange juice, that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Well, happy Friday, guys. Happy Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you have great weekends, everybody out there. If you have a favorite Prosecco, let us know. Hit us at podcastdivinepair.com, and I will talk to you both on Monday. See you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, Vine Pair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the Vine Pair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.